We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast, kicking off Notre Dame versus Pitt this week, a big Saturday game. Notre Dame now sitting at 6-2 and two on the season and ready to kick off their final four-game stretch. After a bye week, Pitt limping into this game a little bit, got some injuries on their, on their roster, not a great football team so far in 2023, but we've seen a pesky pit team in the past for some Notre Dame games so a game that we are excited to break down for you all get us rocking here we'll talk about the Notre Dame defense the Notre Dame offense the pit offense the pit defense and the preview at the end as well we'll also be doing a mailbag after the show as well so make sure at any time if you have a mailbag question it could be about Notre Dame it could be about pit it could be about anything in football that you want to maybe right. something you saw from this last past week what do you want to see down the stretch of the college football season Throw Ryan, in the chat. asked me draft questions yesterday, man. I was like, oh, guys, I'm going to be with Ryan tomorrow, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so throw so throw those into the chat at any time, and we'll be able to, to get those up during the mailbag. Make sure you put MB before just so we can distinguish what is a mailbag question and what is, you know, just general chatter in the chat. We want to make sure that we allow you guys to have your conversations going on in there. And I, Brian, I know we're excited about this game, obviously. Notre Dame yeah. back at home. It's going to be a little bit of a recruiting weekend. Some guys on campus as well. I know that we also want to dig into what to make of this football game, right? As far as what Notre Dame needs to do, what they don't need to do, the questions that remain answered. But I know we really want to open up this conversation coming after out of a bye. We did a little bit of this this past week as far as things we want to see from this Notre Dame team, questions we still had. But we really want to kind of talk about this and break it down offensively, defensively from the Notre Dame side, questions that we still have. And I think, Brian, the real thing that we want to talk about is not only the questions that we need to answer, but it's not about just winning 4-0 down the stretch. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, that's the objective. You want to win every football game from here on out if you're Notre Dame. But you want to do it in a way that shows sustainability. You want to do it in a way that shows growth. I think that's the biggest keys down the stretch here for Notre Dame. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You nailed it, Ryan. And, and it's it's what Marcus Freeman says the mantra of the team is all about, right? It's it's like, hey, guys, this isn't about the other team. This isn't about, you know, the, it's the process. It's about playing to a certain standard. It's about Notre Dame football. So it's not just about going out and beating Pitt and beating Clemson and beating Wake and beating Stanford. That's obviously the, the ultimate result of the process and the desired result of the process. And if you if the process is handled correctly, Notre Dame will go for no. But Notre Dame could go 4-0 down the stretch, Ryan, and, and kind of like 2021, you know, where Notre Dame kept winning, but you're like, this is a very flawed football team. They're just beating inferior opponents, and that's kind of how it was. I mean, you know, they, you know, 2021 is a great example. You know, they skated by Florida State in a game they almost blew. They, they had to come from behind to beat Toledo. They had to come from behind. Jack Cohn has to come off the bench and rally him against Virginia Tech. And anytime they played a good opponent, it was like, this is a tough ball game. You know, you – you're losing early in the fourth quarter against an okay Wisconsin team. The final score ends up being a lot more um, decisive than the actual game was played out. And then you get to the end of the season and you're playing, you know, Stanford, who's awful. You're playing Georgia Tech, who's awful. You're playing Navy, who's awful. You're playing North Carolina, who's just eh, kind of meh. You know, you play a not very good USC team whose coach is in the midst of about to get fired. You know, they're going through a four and eight season. And, you know, it, it was fool's gold to a degree about how good that team actually was. You know, and then, of course, you had the Cincinnati game where you, you got you got your butts kicked as, as a team. And so, yeah, you look at the 11 and one and you're like, yeah, but that wasn't a great football team. So it's, it's about, OK, can you play to your potential as a football team, not just out talent your next four opponents, in which including Clemson, you should. And and the matchups favor you in a lot of ways. The Clemson doesn't have the the ingredients that. Ohio State had, or more importantly, that Louisville had to pull off the upset, you know, with the dynamic playmakers. They don't have that. So it should be a 4-0 stretch for Notre Dame, but 4-0 stretch doesn't mean that your football team has really turned the corner, and that's really what it comes down to. Have you turned the corner to where, yeah, you're a talented team, you do some things well, but can you really take that next step? And that's what these questions are are, are about, and, and we, we addressed some of them last week. We went into detail about certain things last week. But just saying, like, these are the things that I we, we, we have about this football team and the final stretches are going to tell us if this team was able to do what's needed, which tells right. us a lot about the coaching staff and tells us a lot about the players. And if these if these questions get, get answered in the affirmative, not only is learning going to go 4-0, 
but we're going to feel really good about that 4-0. Because there, there's a scenario, Ryan, where they could go 4-0 and you and I are sitting there like, yeah. there's some problems. There's some problems yeah. that need to be addressed. And I don't know if I love this bowl matchup because Notre Dame is basically, you know, kind of muddied through the last four games and, and they're not going to be able to do that against whoever they're playing in this bowl game. Well, I think 2021 is the perfect example, Brian. Like, that was the most hollow 11-1 season that I could ever remember. Like, I remember watching that team. I'm like, your offensive line's not very good. I'm like, your defense right. is a little bit of a mess in certain areas. Like, it just it just wasn't sustainable, right? Like, it, it, there, even if Brian Kelly would have stayed, there would have had to have been like a, hey, guys, we need to take a step back and, like, think some things through here, right? Because something's not working here. Offensive line developing – development is not working quarterback development is not working we need to figure this guy out kind of moving forward so i think 2021 is a really good example i think that this is a very interesting conversation because we did have a little bit of a mirror conversation to this this last week but it's a completely different animal because we're talking about going into a bye week what are some things that we want to see this team be able to do now we're coming out of the bye with kind of, a, I think I think a little bit hopeful as far as like I think we'll see this, I think we'll see that, I hope we see this, I hope we see that, and before we know it, in only a few days here, we'll see if that the identity is actualized for Notre Dame or it just is a little bit of the same yeah. back and forth tug and you know it's just it, the identity failure I think has kind of been the biggest thing that I've been kind of searching for this year, especially offensively. Because one of the things that I felt really good about last season, Ryan, even though the record was nine and four, is yep. the way they finished. You know, like it, it was like, okay, th- this this coaching staff was able to push the right buttons to really get this team for the most part. I mean, it wasn't perfect. I mean, you had the USC loss, which, you know, there's some good things came from that. And USC was just a better team than you were last year. There was the second half against Navy and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, but when it comes down to it, Ryan, it's like you saw steps being taken last season. And it points to like, yeah. you know, nine and four, I kind of felt better about nine and four than I did about 11 and one because it felt like you saw growth. As you yeah. mentioned earlier, you saw growth from that football team. Now we need to see if this team can continue that moving forward. And that's what we're going to find out. And 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 that's these questions that we're going to bring up, Ryan, are going to tell us a lot about whether or not they've made that growth. And And for me, always trying to look at it from a coaching standpoint, do they have a staff in place yep. that can push the right buttons to bring about that growth? That's sure. that for me is the more, the most intriguing kind of storyline type of thing for me um, coming out of coming into this game or, you know, coming into the stretch. And then of course it begins with Pitt. Cause I, I would argue that from a pure matchup standpoint, there are some aspects where Pitt actually gives you some of the more toughest matchups from a coaching scheme standpoint. They don't have the personnel of other teams, but sure. they can present some problems to where you can win the game, but it's sloppy, it's ugly because your players are just better than their players. But, you know, you got out coached. On the flip side, if you if the opposite happens, you start saying, man, they went out there and did this against that defense and that, you know, then you feel like, okay, they've, they've been able to hit the right buttons. And so that's, that's why this is an important part of the conversation. And of course we'll talk about things on both sides of the football, because although the Notre Dame defense has mostly been very good this year, there's always things that you can improve on. I think that's the great thing about football in general is that there's always things that you can take a next step in. There's always things that there's always growth opportunities in the game of football, in my opinion. So we'll talk about defense, But, Brian, of course, we have to start with the offense because you talked about the ugly, and Notre Dame's offense has been pretty dang good at times. 
pretty ugly at others, very underwhelming at other times. You know, like it's been a very mixed bag is the best way to put it. It feels like almost the tale of two seasons at this point, as far as first four games, you felt really good about what the offense was running towards. And then the next four, you're just kind of like, man, I, I don't know here. Like there's just, and there's a lot that's involved in that. Obviously we talk about the injuries at wide receiver. You talk about the, maybe the lack of trust with certain wide receivers in this offense. You talk about the offensive line shuffling at one point and then just maybe not taking their game to the next level in certain spots there. And we talk about an identity crisis a little bit offensively of like, what does this team want to be? What should they want to be? And those conversations all kind of are intertwined. So I think offensively, Brian, like that was the one we spent most time on last week because it is the one, it is the side of the football that needs the most adjustments. Like we need to figure out coming out of the bye week. This is a perfect opportunity for a offensive coaching staff and an offense as a whole to take a step back, reassess, reevaluate, and really develop a deeper understanding for who you are and what you want to be and how to best get there down the stretch. And I think that this is a best opportunity for saying for a, for a post by adjustment period to see what Notre Dame really wants to be offensively. I, I think you would agree with me on this statement, Ryan. Notre Dame has played well enough def, played well enough defensively to be eight. No, right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, even sure. the Louisville game, you held them to seven points at halftime. They yep. forced to fumble early in the second half, a better offense. Once Louisville's offense starts kind of heating up in the second half, they're down 17, 20 points, right? You had these opportunities against Duke. You're up 10 nothing. You had offense mainly because of your, your special teams on a fake punt and your defense giving you a short field on a pick. You had chances to put them away. Couldn't do it. Why? Because the offense, right, wasn't able to do that. So yep. defensively, you, you've, you've done what you needed to do. We'll get into yes. that side of the ball next. It's like you said, it's the offense that's the big question mark, Ryan. And yep. and so the biggest question we have is what will the post adjustment post buy adjustments be? I don't know what they're going to be, and you know we have our certain ideas on what our philosophy are as football. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm not as focused on that. We've talked about a lot of that last week. It's more about I just want to see what they are and if they work because I think yeah you know you and I have talked about this a lot in the past, Ryan. And the reality is is there's there's offenses that I like that work, and there's offenses that I like that don't work. I mean it's it's. There's a lot of different ways to be successful in football. I, I believe this way. You believe that way. The Notre Dame coaching staff may believe another way. At the end of yep. the day, what matters is, but can it work? Can whatever you want to do, does it work? Do you have? Can you find a cohesive, like you said, we're using that word identity a lot. Can you figure out who you want to be and then steer everything towards that and then maximize whatever that you have? Because here's the good thing, Ryan. This is going to be the healthiest Notre Dame has been on offense in a month. You know, Jaden Thomas. They is needed back. that bye week. They Big needed time. the bye week very badly. Big time. <laughs> Great house is going to be healthier. I mean, part of the issue with receivers, we found out. I talked about this yesterday. I found out during the bye week that half the receiving core wasn't even practicing really during the week, and it's hard to get on the same page with a first-year quarterback at that school, bunch of freshmen, and things like that when the guys aren't practicing. And so you've, you, that's not an excuse anymore. You had the, the, the bye week period. You've now got this week, you're healthy, you get guys out there. So you should be in a position to, to, to at least get on the same page a little bit more. Now you have all your tools as a coordinator, as a receivers coach, as an O-line coach, as a running backs coach, tight ends coach. I mean, tight end room is as healthy now as it's been all year, Ryan, because now Eli Raritan's now going into what, week three or four that he's in here. He got a bye week. Yep. Mitchell Evans got a week to rest up because he'd been dealing with some nagging stuff. So you're going to be healthy, as healthy as you've been in a, in a while going into this game. 
what are the adjustments they make? What are the things they do pass game wise to get their pass game going? What things they do run game wise to get their run game going? And we'll get into those specifics, but that's the biggest question for me, Ryan. And we don't need to necessarily spend a lot of time on, on what we want to see. Cause we did that last week and we'll yep. do that in some of the other things, but that's the biggest thing for me is I want to see what this offensive staff does. What personnel decisions do they make? What, and by personnel, I mean it twofold, Ryan. One is, okay, who's your, who are you riding with, right? We talked about last week. I have my opinion on who you need to get going at receiver. They may have a different of opinion. I can say, hey, I consider and argue for Tobias or Chris Tyre, whatever. That's not really the point of this conversation. We've already made those. It's But who do you guys trust? And then right. roll with them and then build your offense around what those guys do well, right? And and um, that's those are questions that I want to that I want to see this this yep. month is okay you figured out who you're rolling with roll with them and then the other part of the personnel is look at the makeup of your roster and say hey we're really good here maybe we're not as strong here how are we going to use our personnel properly and the one thing i will say specifically i want to see ryan please for the love of all things holy stop with the non-stop rotations after every single play you know just like try to get into a rhythm because that's the biggest thing they they've got to find a way to get into rhythm offensively and it's hard to do that when you're just constantly running guys on and off the field. So yeah. we're, we're going to see if they're willing to do that. Because that tells me they've looked into something. Hey, why are we struggling? And we're really diving into the whys. It's not just about plays and X's and O's and execution and all that. Sometimes it's about we're not doing what we need to do as a staff to get these kids into the best position to be effective because of the way that we're – it may look good on a chalkboard. It may look good on a script sheet, Ryan. But it, it practically speaking, we're not allowing these young kids – to get into and, and I even include Chris Tyree in that young kid because he's basically a freshman as a wide receiver. Yep. You're not allowing these guys to get into any kind of rhythm and flow in the game in a way that maybe you could get away with with veterans, maybe, but you definitely can't with young guys. And that's why I say figure out who you want to be, roll with it, and let those guys get into rhythm. Well, I think I'm I'm hopeful for it, right? Because I mean, we even saw again. I don't want to read too much into like a depth chart, right? Because that doesn't tell the story, but. There were a couple changes this week, right. which I think is, I think it's a positive sign of like, you know, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it as far as like who the players are, there was action that was made, it seems, on paper, right? So now it's about actualizing that into production on the field and seeing if it was the right decision ultimately. But I agree, Brian, like, I think that the worst thing you can get to is complacency and then get into this little middle ground of like, we want to make a change, but we're not sure if we should. And and that's where that like really complacency kind of thing kind of pops into your head. You know what I mean? A little bit. So I think this is an opportunity for you to take some chances, even like, I, I don't want to say chances because that sounds a little bit extreme, but like to, to get Be out of your comfort aggressive. zone a little bit offensively, aggressive out of your comfort zone a little bit, you know, do what's best for the team and not what's best for your, for your sanity. If that makes right. sense. Right. Like yeah. take chances. I think chances is a, is a good thing. Sometimes changes are needed. There's no question about it, especially offensively. And I think that we're seeing it. It seems like I, I just want to see it obviously now go onto the field, just not on paper anymore. Yeah. Cause so. like what the depth chart did kind of reflected what we saw against USC. You know, we saw Rico Flores start and it was nice to see like, you know, Eli Raritan's in there and Cooper Flanagan's in there. And it's more reflective of, okay, this is who you have to roll with on this football team, right? And, you know, when you look at the specifics, the biggest one for me is the pass game, 
and the yeah. receiver play. And they kind of go yeah. hand in hand to a degree. They've got to get this part of the game rolling. And I'm not saying they got to come out and throw for 300 yards a game, but it, it has to be a greater weapon. It, and and mm-hmm. when we get specifically into the matchup of Pitt, like tomorrow, Thursday, we'll dive in, in, in a little bit today, we'll dive into that even more. Because if you can't throw the football on Pitt, you're going to have a hard time scoring points against Pitt. I mean, that's, it's as simple as that. So especially efficient efficiency in the passing game, like, right. And big plays in the past game, which, which uh, obviously, you know, that's going to be part of the second half, the the final stretch adjustments, but pass game wise, they've got to find ways to do three things. One, one, number one, right. Is you got to find some sort of rhythm in the pass game. Number one. Yes. Number two, You've got to do a better job, in my opinion, of, of building concepts that fit with the players that you want to have on the football field. Again, I I don't we'll, we'll we'll dive into the how players are handled, who who was handled this way, that way, right or wrong, good or bad, whatever, and more in the offseason. Right now, this is just who they are. We're gonna evaluate who they are. You want to play Rico Flores more, Jaden Greathouse more, Chris Tyree, Jordan Faison, Jaden Thomas. Okay. That's you know, it is what it is. But you can't keep running the plays you've been running with those players because that's not who they are. So you got to figure out how you want to use them. You've got this tight end depth chart. You've got to find better ways to use it all in part of your pass game. And you've got these really dynamic running backs that are a big play waiting to happen. Find more ways to get them involved in the pass game because you've got to be do a better job using the weapons you have to get the, the pass game rolling. Yes. And so that's going to have to be a big part of it. And then the receivers have to step up. Ryan is like, look, you've got to play with more urgency. You got to play. You know, it's up to Chancey Stuckey and this receiving core to start doing the things they need to do to get open more, to make the catches, to give Sam Hartman reason to. You know, oh, Sam Hartman needs to be more aggressive throwing the ball. Agree. They got to give him a reason to be more aggressive. Because right. if I'm a quarterback, if I don't have faith in you, like I'll tell you right now, Ryan. When I was a quarterback, if I had a guy like I don't know if this guy's going to catch this ball or not. There were certain routes I'm just not throwing to him. I'm just sorry, not taking that chance. I can see the ball hitting off your hands and getting picked off. I'm not doing that. You got to give him a reason. It starts in practice, carries out in the games. So those are all things that this pass game has to get going because against Clemson, it's going to be the same story. We're going to have the same story next week as we have this week, Ryan. You're not going to be able to just assume you can go out and run the football on them like you did last year. That was an anomaly. We've said this. That, that was a great game plan, great execution, but that was more of an anomaly. Sure. You're going to need to be more balanced. Last two games, a little bit of a different story, but getting in the bowl game, you're going to have to be effective throwing the football these next two weeks. Can they push the right buttons from a coaching standpoint? Can Sam Hartman kind of put this group on his shoulders a little bit and say, hey, you're the veteran. You lead these guys. You get these guys going, right? That's part of your right. job. And then when they get those opportunities, can they step up and make those plays? Not, this isn't arguing about who should step up, right? Whether Tobias, Tyree, it's not the point. Whoever they're putting out there guys got to step up and make plays at receiver at tight end and at running back and then it's up to the coaching staff to make sure that you're getting those weapons in position to get the football like i'm sorry ryan you've got you've got to do more to get jeremiah love and jadarian price the football in space in the passing game you just you just have to it's going to take more pressure off the receivers anyway and as you and i have been talking about all year ryan those those two guys plus Chris Tyree are your three most dynamic football players. So Brian, like it's what I think is most interesting about the whole offensive conversation for me is that 
what was the reason you brought Sam Hartman to Notre Dame for, right? Because what was the best and worst of him at Wake Forest? Because it's all intertwined, in my opinion. The best was my guy was super aggressive, could attack down the field, wasn't afraid. There was no throw at Wake Forest that Sam Hartman was afraid to make. Not a single one, which is the biggest negative to his game at Wake Forest as well. The fact that, like, maybe you shouldn't have done that, Sam. Maybe that wasn't the best decision in the world, right? But that's what you love about him. And you and it's it's like the it's like the Brett Favre, John Elway-ish thing at a time, right? Where it's like, I'll take the good because there's with the bad because there's a lot more good than there is bad a lot of times, right? And I think I thought that's why you brought Sam Hartman here was to really get the explosiveness, get the aggressiveness in this passing game going. And we have seen him relegated throughout for the most part of this year to being a system player, a player that is just operating and he's a one, two, and let's get the ball out and let's get the ball out on time and let's not kill ourselves and let's remain, you know, very sound and safe with the football. And, and ultimately he's done a pretty good job doing that. But like, again, you're putting a cap on how explosive that you can be as a passing offense at this point, right? Like you have done that. And I understand part of it at times, because we've talked about it. Wide receiver group has been decimated by hamstring injury throughout the last few weeks, right? You're you're working with a half a group. You're working with guys that are not 100%. I mean, it's been obvious, right? So I understand you being hamstrung in times, but there really hasn't been too many moments this year, even during the four-game stretch early on in the season where I looked at him and said, you know, they're letting Sam loose, man. They're looking at him and just letting him go and letting him fire and letting him be him. Uh, so I think that that identity is is a part of it. Like that identity in the passing game is my biggest thing. The other thing too is that you there's a reality where Notre Dame smacks Pitt this week, but the offensive output doesn't tell you anything about what you want to be as a team. It doesn't. There is a reality where you score 40 points against Pitt this week and win convincingly, and Sam Hartman throws for 180 yards or 200 yards, and he just plays safe football. You could do that as Notre Dame. You could do that. But is that going to win on a year-to-year basis against Ohio State, Georgia, the better teams on your schedule? Like, Is that ever going to be reality? I don't think it is. So the rebirth of reality, the rebirth of identity is what I want to see. I want to see aggressiveness. I want to see – I called for this a couple games. We haven't really seen it much. It's usually a – come out, run the football, establish the run, work off of it. This is a game where I'm like, dude, come out, be aggressive, and throw the football early, and let's get the mojo back. Sam Hartman has lost his mojo. He does not look this like the same player the last couple of weeks that we thought he was going to be. When Sam is clicking and he is his confident self, he has swagger to him. The team is energized, and we have lost that energy and that identity a part of this team right now. So, yeah, man, come out swing and come out aggressive. I want to see him. I'm not asking for him to go empty every play right, and do all that right. stuff, but like come out firing and be okay with being aggressive early on in this football game, man. Throw a shot, get, uh, scheme something up. I want to see this passing game get a lot more explosive, a lot more exciting because as it gets more exciting and a little bit more, I don't even want to call it exotic, just aggressive, the team will buy into it. You don't think young guys like Jaden Greathouse, who's back healthier now, Rico Flores, Tobias Merriweather as a sophomore, the young cats on this offense, you don't think that they want to get out there and throw the football around a little bit? That's what they came to Notre Dame to do. So I want to say that identity shift this weekend, man, and I think it starts with being way more aggressive in the passing game. There was something that Marcus Freeman said during his press conference, Ryan, that if, if again, I don't put a lot of stock into 
press conferences, but I, I will just say, I'm going to say this. He made a comment that he was referring to Tobias Merriweather. And he says, you know, we talked about this today in our meeting. We have to try and find ways to get him the ball and take some shots down the field with Tobias's body length and speed. We have to try and continue to find ways to truly take shots and not look for the wide open, perfect play. Uh, that's what at times we can end up doing. We have to take shots and believe he'll make a play on a 50-50 ball. We have to have full faith that he will. And it's not even just Tobias. This needs to be more of what just they're doing in general. You know, it's it's take that that one-on-one shot to Jaden Greathouse on third and six against USC, right? And my hope, my hope is that the last few series we saw from the offense, the shot to Rico – they, they ran a play action looking to get a corner route for a touchdown on that next play. You've got the post route to to, to Chris Tyree on the, the touchdown. You hope that we see more of that. Like, hey, look, guys, let's take a shot. Let's be aggressive. Let's put this game away. And my hope is that that's a sign of things to come. And then when you talk about what Coach Freeman said about, look, it's that right there, Ryan, that you're always looking for that perfect play. And if it's not there, I'm just going to take the quick route or the short route or the check down or whatever. And and it's almost kind of like they've they've overcorrected Sam Hartman. Now it's about to what you broke down earlier. Let's find that happy medium. Yeah. Because if you just go out there and have a three turnover game against one of these teams, you can get yourself beat. Right. Sure. So I'm not looking for that, but you also can't average what they've done the last four games, which is six point nine yards per pass attempt. Can't do that either. And you know, their their best passing game so far this of the last four games is seven point four yards per attempt against Duke. That's it. You know, they were six point three against USC. Like I get that one to a degree, but still, even when you're being conservative, Ryan, six point three per attempt against a team like USC is just not gonna get it done. It's not. And and so they're gonna have to be willing to to say, Hey, look, give that guy a shot. And if he doesn't catch it, it he doesn't catch it. It's no different than throwing a check down and the guy gets tackled at the line of scrimmage, right? Like let's take some chances because if you make hit a couple, then all of a sudden Pitt's got a pit, pit gets put in a predicament or you do to pit what they did in 2015 when yep. they said, Hey, we're going to shut down the run game. I know they got Will Fuller, but we're going to shut down the run game and Notre Dame just made him pay for it. You've got to make him pay for it. That's going to be a big key. Same thing with Clemson. You think Clemson's going to sit back in their base defense again this year after what happened to him last year? Nope. They're gonna they're gonna have I mean their whole they're gonna be getting their pride questioned all week they're gonna be getting challenged all week they're gonna be coming off two tough games you think that they're not gonna be like man we are not letting Notre Dame run on us like that again no way right. so yeah. what do you got to do take advantage of that and that's gonna be a big well, part of it well there there's a couple different ways to achieve balance as an offense right one way is to get the run game going and then get one-on-one opportunities outside and then to make those plays. And then all of a sudden the defense is like, oh, snap, son. I don't know how to stop this. The other way is to come out throwing the football and then to loosen up that box and then get it going that way. Both ways can work. However you want to do it is however you want to do it. I actually don't care which way you want to do it as long as that happens. What I think has happened here, Brian, is that Notre Dame was a good running football team early in the year. They got the box loose. And then when they got into the tough part of the schedule, they weren't able to make teams pay with their passing game. So now teams are like, cool, you can run the ball. You're still going to be able to run the ball a little bit. But like, we're, we're, I don't care about your outside go route right now. Like, I don't care about it, right? Like, we're going to play man on man and we're not going to sacrifice numbers. And if you make a play, good for you. But until you show us you can make a play, we are not going to respect that element of the offense. Mm-hmm. That is what's happened. 
So for me, I don't like overcorrection all the time, but like if I'm Notre Dame right now, I'm coming out of the bye week and being like, that's the that's what the defense's perspective is. You know what I can do now? Let's try the opposite here. Let's get the passing game going. So now that we can achieve balance, the reverse, because the because not only is the passing game suffering, it also makes the running game suffer a little bit. You're not going to be as efficient of a running offense when you don't have a passing attack that is consistently a a point of emphasis and a thing that can hurt a defense. They're just not going to respect it as much. And I think that's what you're seeing with like the yard per carry average for Notre Dame and the rushing performance of the last few games as well, is that when you don't respect a passing attack, you are not going to put the resources out to respect it. You are going to keep those in the box and make the running game have to methodically beat you if they can beat you at all. And I, so I think it's hurting not only the passing game, but also the running attack for Notre Dame and the offensive line in that, in that sense as well. Let me give you some numbers, Ryan. Yep. I talked about the pass game. Right, gave you those 6.9 yards per pass attempt the last four games, only 11.6 yards per catch. Both are bottom of the national rankings numbers if they were over the course of a season. Ground attack the last four games, 126 yards per game. Last four games. Even if you take out the, the, the Louisville game, which was the anomaly, which was 44 yards, even if you take that out, they're only averaging 153 yards per play, per carry, and they're under five yards per attempt. Or, excuse me, they're 153 yards per game, and they're about 4.6 yards per, per carry, even if you take the Louisville game out. If you add the Louisville game, which happened, you're at 3.9 yards per attempt. And, and to your point, there, there's, the, there's, there's issues within the run game, which we'll kind of transition into next, that need to get addressed. But a big part of it is your run game has no protection. You're back to where you were a year ago. But unlike a year ago, when Notre Dame could still go out and find ways to run the football in some weeks, like they were very up and down this year in the last four games, especially there have been no ups. It's just downs. You could argue the Ohio state game was pretty good. And I think you, I mean, 176 yards against Ohio state. The second uh, half, especially. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they was like 123 or something like that in the second half. You got, you got it going, but the last three games, you just haven't been able to find your way. There's issues. The O-line's got to play better in the run game. That's the biggest thing for me. O-line's got to play better. you got to get back to being a little bit more diverse with your run game, but also being willing to to be more aggressive attacking downhill. Just everything got slow, you know, with the run yeah. game the last, you know, three, four games. You know, being able to get back to some quick hitters, you know, figure out who your dudes are, get them the football. The run game's got to get going in the last four games, Ryan. But to your point, to kind of put a bow on the the first part of that conversation, it's going to be hard to really get it going against the better defenses. And your first two defenses you play are pretty good run defenses. Yeah, You've got to protect the run game more. And Notre Dame's pass game isn't able to do that. Hasn't been able to do that really the last month of the season, and that's going to have to change. And and uh, Pitt's gonna, Pitt especially is going to say, you're not running on us. You're yep. not going to let you run on us. You're going to have to beat us on the football. And Notre Dame's going to have to prove that they can. Now, can Notre Dame beat Pitt without playing well offensively? Sure. We've seen Pitt lose games that because yep. their offense is not very good. If the Notre Dame defense no. does what it's been doing all year, Pitt's not going to score much. But does that really make you feel like you grew as a football team, that you took advantage of? No, it doesn't. It no. doesn't. But the run game too, Ryan, it, it, the offensive line is is a big question mark. Can this – can Joe Rudolph get this group going coming out of the bye? That's that's a right. that's a big question mark for me as well. And I don't care who plays. I mean, again, we have our opinions about that. That's not the point. 
whoever he plays, can he get this unit going? They, they, this, yep. The offensive line has probably been the big – a lot of people talk, you know, harp on the receivers and all that, but the, the offensive line the last three weeks has been the biggest disappointment for me because if you actually break the film down, and and, I, and I'm curious if what your thoughts are on this, Ryan, there's a lot more open guys against Louisville and, and USC than you all might think, but the ball wasn't able to come out because, I mean, the quarterback was clearly, clearly feeling the pressure the last couple yeah. games and rightfully so. So the, the offensive line is going to have to play better and, and it needs to manifest itself in the run game, especially. Well, I, the offensive line has been so weird, Brian, because usually it's offensive line, a couple new starters, first couple games, you're getting your footing. You're starting to really kind of understand one another next to you work cohesively and then in the middle of the season, you really start to hit your stride, and then you peak to the end of the season, right? Like exponential growth is what you usually see from an offensive line perspective. We haven't seen that at all this year. It's been very up and down, which is just strange. Like that typically doesn't happen for offensive line because it's been relatively outside of the, the weird shuffling in the in the Louisville game, right? Like it's been pretty consistent as far as who the starters are and who are the guys that are getting a lot of reps. Like we know who they are, and for whatever reason, it's like. Play great against Ohio State, play great against Navy, not so great against Tennessee State, bad against Louisville. Like it's just been so up and down. And it doesn't, it just doesn't make much sense based upon what you typically see from how offensive lines mature. Because I think what's happening is you have a couple new players that are been very volatile and very up and down from a week to week perspective. And I think that's really hurting the cohesiveness of this offensive line as a unit. Like I, I'm seeing Joe Alt show warts the last couple of weeks, right? Where it's just like, is that actually a Joe Alt issue fully, or is that just maybe there's not enough trust in what's happening next to him and mm-hmm. be having to maybe freelance a little bit and to help out a little bit more than maybe he's typically used to compared to the last couple of years. So I think that this offensive line in general you need to figure out what the best mix is and whoever coach Rudolph figures out to that to be, if it's the same guys he's been rolling with pretty much the entirety of the year, that's cool. That's fine. As long as it continue, as long as it gets better. Right. But like the biggest thing for me is that you cannot hurt the good parts of your offensive line. If you are being very stagnant and stubborn with potentially making a decision to make an offensive line better, like you can't mm-hmm. get stuck in your ways because that that that's that same middle ground I talked about earlier as far as like the middle ground of uncertainty where it's like maybe there should be a change that happens, but this is what I'm used to, this is what I'm comfortable with, and then you get into this weird middle ground where it's like no growth happens because right. you didn't make a decision one way or the other. You were just kind of stuck in the middle. And I think that Notre Dame for me in general, whoever they throw out there, they need to play better because right now it's about a the best five up front as far as how they can all work together and be a cohesive unit. Right now, I think Joe Alt's play over the last couple of games is suffering a little bit because of the offensive line issue in general. I think Blake Fisher has been w- a very volatile again this year because of the uncertainty around him. I think that Zeke Carell has been a little bit volatile from a game-to-game perspective. The offensive line in general needs to grow up this week they need to grow up down the stretch because they are going to be the key for long-term success, right? Yeah. We can talk about the quarterback all we want, and the quarterback is very, very important. It's the number one position in sports. But Notre Dame is a team that's always going to be built up around the offensive line, and the offensive line is always a quarterback's best friends. Because even the worst quarterbacks, if you give them time, 
to find and go through their reads and go through their progressions and not make sure that there's not, no threat upon them and you're able to run the football and keep defense off balance, you're always going to be in a pretty good situation. So I think this offensive line needs to – they need some maturation this week, man. They need to figure out an identity themselves and they need to start working as a cohesive unit because I don't think they've been a cohesive unit throughout the entirety of this year. Absolutely not. I, I think you nailed it with the lack of cohesiveness, Ryan, because the one complaint we've had after games is it's always like one or two guys on each play, and it's a different guy on almost every play. It's not like, you know, hey, Pat Coogan has sucked, put in Billy Shrouth. At times, Pat Coogan has not been very good. At times, he is good. And that's within games, not even just game to game, but just series to series. And you're just like, okay, this series, Pat was good and Rocco struggled. This season, this series, the two guards are fine and Zeke struggled. This series, Joe Walt gave up a pressure, you know, and Blake Fisher's whiffing on guys. And this is, we're going to learn a lot about Joe Rudolph as an offensive line coach coming out of this stretch. Because if he's the offensive line coach that's worthy of being at Notre Dame, he's going to, with the talent he has, he's going to be able to push the right buttons. And if you don't, I got to start asking myself, Ryan, is 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 he the guy to to get this line to play to its potential? Because it's not a lack of tools. I mean, I'm sorry. Your your offensive line coach does not have a lack of tools to work with no. for the next no. four games. And if he does, then that's great. You know, and he's still learning these players. Because, you know, we're in that first-year coach. You're learning guys like we talked about Al Golden last year, now Washington last sure. year. And there's always a learning process for first-year coaches. Same with Harry Heastan last year. You know, it's why they struggled out of the gate. But you could just see the steady growth last season from the O-line. Exactly. And then there'd yep. be like a little setback and then back to growth. We haven't seen that from the line this year. We need to see that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll find out. And then the last thing, Ryan, just briefly, is they got to get back to getting some big plays. That, that's yep. that's going to be important, not just because it shows the offense is growing and maturing, but it's going to be very important to winning your next two football games. You're yep. going to have to create some, generate some big plays, run game and pass game. This isn't just throwing the ball down the field. This is getting back to where – you're able to gash teams running and throwing. And uh, that's going to be a big part. And all the things we discussed kind of lead into that. If the execution is there, if you make the adjustments, if you're able to get your your skilled players to football in the right situations, build the offense around them, play well up front, and then just let your quarterback, you know, just turn them loose, man. You know, let them go play football. Your 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 offense is going to rip off some big plays. If you don't, and you just keep trying, because like what I don't, worst case scenario, Ryan, let's just keep doing what we're doing, just get a little better at it like if Marcus Freeman truly believes the only issue on offense has been a lack of execution then not a lot's going to change yeah it's not I I I don't think that's what he's saying I I have not taken what he's saying is that he thinks that's the only problem I'm just saying like if that's all you think this is more of a general statement we've talked about this with Brian Kelly after 2015 I would just got to coach a little uh, better and play a little harder do you think that's what kept you from winning a championship this year? No, it's because you have a terrible defensive coordinator. Your strength program's a hot mess, and you've got these other issues that you're not addressing, and he didn't address them, right? So this coaching staff's going to have to address those issues, and if he, if they do, they push the right buttons, a natural manifestation will, will be the big plays come back more, in my opinion, on offense. Well, I, I think that for me, offensively, and this is, I mean, this is just a general thing. This isn't even an offensive thing, but there's always going to be those moments in football games or a game in general where you're going to have a struggle, right? As far as maybe things aren't working the right way. Maybe you're just a, a tick slow. Maybe there's adjustments that are needed. But what can fix that very quickly and get an offense jump started 
is a big play, man. Create a big play, and, and that takes kind of pressure off a little bit, and it opens it up, and it gets guys feeling good about themselves. You need those big plays, man. You need them. I mean, whether it's Chris Tyree, Tobias Merriweather, Aldrick Estime. Let me ask Jeremiah you a question, Love. Ryan. I want to yeah. ask you a question about that. You're a defensive guy. You played linebacker. What yep. goes through your head when you're playing a team and in the first few series they've ripped off a couple big gains? Now, I've always felt like as a coach, it puts defensive team units on their heels. Like that's the other thing to yep. me is you're not just you're not just giving yourself confidence. You're instilling doubt. Like what the heck is going on here right, right. now on the other side of the ball? Am I am I am I right on that as a from a defensive players and defensive coaches standpoint? Yep. Well, I think defensive players always always want to feel comfortable with what they're reading, right? So anytime there's a big play, it's usually – I mean, there's always the occasion of like your best player just beat our best player because he's a good, also a good football player. But in most cases, there's some sort of miscommunication, whether you're a gap short in the run game, whether you are in – whether someone is in the wrong coverage so that there's an open spot in a defense and is, from a coverage perspective – so I think that the the uncertainty kind of mixes into your mind defensively, mm-hmm. right? I, I I still think that the worst thing defensively is when you just cannot stop the run because you're just getting whooped, sure. right? Because it's demoralizing. Sure. But there's nothing that makes you feel more uncertain than when there's just a couple plays that keep popping open and we're just like, where, 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 where's that guy's going? Like, where are we supposed to be there? And this is why the pass game is so important. Because yep. big plays in the past game usually come from some sort of either I just got beat one-on-one or there was some sort of design that got a guy free that creates that creates issues. You start getting those pass plays going. Then all of a sudden, less guys in the box. Now we start leaning on you in the run game. And now you're, okay, they're doing all these things. They're moving. They're doing all this. They're running these post-snap switches. They're doing all this. We're, we're having some issues with execution. And they're running it down our throat. Like right. That's who Notre Dame needs to be. And that's not who they've been. And that's where you can create problems. So it's not just about confidence for you. It's also about instilling doubt and creating confusion, getting the defense on their heels. That's going to be a big key. And if the offense can do these things and they can answer these questions affirmatively, you know, how are they going to bring the big plays back? What are they going to do to get the offensive line playing better, which is going to impact the run game? What are they going to do to get the pass game back on track? Those are yeah. all things we're going to find out. And the, and the, the how well those questions get answered are, is going to determine, Ryan, if this offense can play to its potential. Because if the offense plays to its potential, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the defense a little bit, but it's going to be a much shorter conversation. Because, yeah. You know, this is the side of the ball that, that to me is to the most degree is going to tell us that this staff has what it takes to make the adjustments and, and self, self scout, self analyze, look in the mirror and say, okay. We got to do this to get this thing going, and we know how to we know how to get it going. That's going to be the key. Right. Yep, uh, Notre Notre Dame needs a big shift offensively, and I think that that starts this week. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of question marks, and those are obviously some of the key things that we'll be looking for this week when they take on Pitt.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.